Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 30 of season three of This Osteopathic Life. And for the record, this is day three of the daily podcast challenge celebrated in the month of November 2021. Today, I'd like to talk with you about the idea of being in charge. And just say that phrase, see that phrase, feel that phrase, experience that phrase for a moment. What does it mean to be in charge? Immediately, for a variety of reasons, the television show Who's the Boss comes up in my brain. I think about being in charge, being the boss, and seeing all of the comic relief in the different gender roles and experiences that were displayed in that show. I also automatically then, if we look at this tangential line of thinking, move into Full House. Right? We often think about Michelle, the youngest daughter, showing up as the boss, even though she might not fit in that space, and having a sense of charge over the household by her personality, by necessity, again there, interestingly, by a space where gender roles were challenged for a variety of reasons. I also moved because apparently I was in a nostalgic television space when I was contemplating this this morning. Think about the episode on Friends when Rachel is making poor decisions in her relationships, or so she believes and so others might believe, and she assigns Monica to be in charge of those decisions for her. And there's a moment in the show when she's being asked in rapid fire, you know, who's the boss of you? And she attributes it to external spaces. And then it comes back to, you're the boss of you. And when I think about being in charge, we might think about being in charge of other things, other people, other tasks, businesses, right? Being in charge in this vast sense, this far reaching external sense of being in charge. Then we can also think about being in charge of being in charge of ourselves, the internal sense of being in charge and being the boss. I'm the boss of me. And just noticing even that word literally can have that onomatopoeia effect, charge, right? It's aggressive in a way, and it can feel domineering and the power over sentiment that we've discussed in other spaces that perhaps is not one to which we aspire. But just notice what feeling, right? What sensation, what energetic experience you have around the phrase being in charge, Is it encouraging? Do you feel strong and powerful? Do you feel intimidated? Do you feel overwhelmed? What comes up for you when you're considering that? And let that just be your experience. Don't try to fight it or change it or look at how you think you should feel around the phrase being in charge, but just let yourself feel how you feel and see if you're able to tune into that. It can be helpful, again, if you're safe, if you're not walking or biking or driving where you need to have eyes open and aware, if you can close your eyes 
and let yourself really tune into physically what comes up. When you think about the act of being in charge, the role of being in charge, and just notice that. For me, it can be a little bit of both. There can be this expansive sense, this kind of chest filling, you could say chest puffing sense, and holding my head a little taller, right? Posturally, these physical things are happening. There can be a sense of capacity, perhaps of power, or maybe more of strength. Interesting, those words, strength feels like a better version of that. And there can be this sense of dread or dauntedness or overwhelm, thinking, oh, I'm in charge of all these things. And notice right there that natural segue between the sense of intimidation, even I will think as the most appropriate word there, coming from that thought of, I'm in charge of all these things. I don't know if I can handle it. Can I do this? Right, And that one becoming more of an inquiry than a statement. And so just noticing all the ways we can react simply to the idea of being in charge. And now I'd like you to take a moment and consider a space, a place, a role, a task to which you have been deemed the person who is in charge. And some of those might be very explicit. You might have a leadership, a managerial role in your work. Some might be somewhat automatic. Perhaps you think about being in charge of your household and of your children in that way. Some might be assumed. Are you taking responsibility? Are you considering yourself to be in charge of your neighborhood, of certain relationships, of other tasks? Have you kind of embraced that and pulled it into your circle of that which you claim responsibility? And how do you do in those spaces where you are in charge? And is there a difference when you have been very clearly tasked with it? And additionally to that, is there a difference when you know what it means to be in charge, when there is clarity around what is expected of you in that role? And building on from that, how is it when you then are given the resources you need to successfully and effectively carry out that role? And let's look at it on the contrary. So perhaps a space where it isn't as explicit. You don't have a title, you don't have a job description, but you have somehow been either assumed on your own or some natural evolution, taking up this task of being in charge of a certain situation. How different is it when you don't know what is expected of you, when you don't know what it means to be in charge? You have this sense of, I'm the one to make these decisions here and however it goes, it's gonna come back on me, but I don't actually know what that means what it looks like, what's expected of me, how it's going to be carried out. And then building on, or perhaps we could say detracting from, undermining that. What if you don't have access to the resources that you need to effectively carry out those decisions and tasks? How does that impact the situation? How are you feeling in that circumstance? Now I've seen ways that we are assigned to being in charge, that we assume the role of being in charge, and the impact of expectations and resources in that space. And now I want to shift our attention to how we can more effectively be in charge, independent of those factors. 
Now, I'm not saying it's not useful or important to get to those spaces where we have clarity on expectations. If it is in that assumed space of being in charge, decide why we are, how we are, who we are in that space and support ourselves in that decision to ask for, advocate for, follow up on, hold accountability to those who can provide us those resources. Absolutely. But let's see how we can be effective in the space of being in charge, regardless of what is given to us, what is provided for us in that space. And when I think about that, what I think about is coming into that sphere of that which is actually in our control. And we've talked about this on previous podcast episodes, that reunification of power and responsibility. And interestingly, I went to put a link to that previous episode into the show notes. And when I went to access that episode, what actually came up was a different element on a Google search. And I just put power and responsibility. And it brought up an article that I wrote on Kevin MD back in August of 2020, which my general inclination is that my search engine is favorable to me, that I must have looked it up before on the Google search, but it was somewhat encouraging. And I'll put a link to that article in the show notes. It was specific to the practice of medicine, but the principles in it were definitely generalizable to the wider population in that concept of where are we extending our sense of responsibility to spaces that we can't actually control? How can we begin to reassign it more appropriately? And how can all of our power go up together? So that's at the core of what we're talking about today. And what I wanted to share leading into that, or perhaps actually building on, extending through, and creating a path beyond that concept, is examining the aspects of worry, of stress, of that internalization, of personal responsibility and making things happen, and how we might have some space, freedom, and again, strength building through that process. So for me, growing up, I was very familiar with the serenity prayer. I grew up going to AA meetings with my father, and that was a key and core premise, concept, anchoring, foundational belief and concept and adage and prayer within that group. And so it was one that I carried with me a lot of spaces. And if you're not familiar, I'll share it with you here. God grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. And if we distill it down to key pieces, so what am I trying to access? Serenity. And what else am I trying to gain? Courage. And what else is in there? Wisdom. And if we look at some synonyms, as you know, I like to look at words and the intention, the definition, and the alternatives that are there. So serenity. What are some options there? Because sometimes serenity might not be what it is we're seeking or that may not resonate with you. Sometimes we think serene and you're at the beach and you're doing nothing, right? That it has to have all of these extensive requirements. But it can also exist in small doses, in regular commonplace spaces. I think about contentment, perhaps satisfaction, Maybe ease, if I think about words we use in osteopathic medicine quite often, where there is a balance in the tension. If I think about that even more specifically in the treatments that I utilize, right? Serenity isn't nothing, right? It's everything in this cohesive, balanced, I don't want to say homogenous because it's not all the same, 
but in a space with clarity, right? So serenity, I hear clarity in there, I hear contentment, I hear ease, I hear balanced tension, not absence of tension. And the following word in that particular space is accept. And accept is such an interesting word. It gets a lot of charge and kickback, resistance, I'll say, when I bring this up and teach it in my program. And I'll be bringing you some of the concepts I teach in this osteopathic life and in the activation process curriculum. I've put them all together in one episode in more of a meditative style, but we're going to explore each one in a little bit greater depth and... I won't say spoiler alert, but I'll say exciting announcement moment. Also the content in the core of the book for the sociopathic life, which I anticipate will come out on the anniversary, the fourth anniversary of the podcast, the first of February, 2022. So stay tuned for that. In any case, the word accept, what do you think about with accept? Is it just resigning yourself to, is it making peace with, is it simply acknowledging and noticing the way that things are, right? And seeing that opportunity there and how might you be able to embrace that in your own way. Next, we're looking for courage. And we've talked about strength, power, conviction. What are some of the things you need to meaningfully effect change? Courage might simply mean self-belief, right? Knowing that it's possible for me to do this. Maybe bravery as a synonym that resonates more with you. So thinking about what alternatives of courage isn't always the one that means the most to you in that moment. To change, right? So evolving, offering opportunity to shift, to modify, to reform. I sometimes think about revolution, right? That's in the mission statement for this osteopathic life. So seeing that for you. Then wisdom. Now here, it's so interesting, and my children were actually having a fascinating discussion, and we have had it in the past, not recently, so I'm curious where it was brought up, and I'll explore that more with them. But the idea of knowing and knowledge versus memorization and regurgitation of fact that was charged in perhaps not so loving a way between two of my children yesterday, and one offered that, do you really know that? Right? Or have you just been told it and you're repeating it? Which, again, in the tone may not have been as meaningful and heartfelt and helpful as I would have liked it to be. But the sentiment, I think, was one definitely worth investigating. Right? Do you know that? How would you know? And we've talked about no with the capital K or the lowercase k. And so here it's talking about wisdom. And we could think about that as intelligence, you know, as knowledge-based, but also simply in that intuitive sense, again, a sense of self-trust that's coming up in each of these spaces and to know the difference. So the discernment factor in there. And I would offer, and this has been offered to me recently for my own work, and I'm diving into it and committing to this in a regular practice of looking at judgment versus discernment. In judgment from a critique lens, from a how it should be lens versus a discernment, noticing how it is and how you can engage in that space. That's a bit of a breakdown of the serenity prayer and noticing in there what it's offering to us is the opportunity to reclaim 
that which we can actually control, right? And in that, gaining the power, but look at courage in that power way, to actually make that difference in those certain ways and spaces. Now, many, many years later, again, I was familiar with this from the earliest memories I have. I was reading the Book of Joy with Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. And there was a version of this presented in there from the Dalai Lama that struck me. And I realized as it struck me first, independent of the serenity prayer, that it was so profound and it really clicked. And, oh, this is a way I can approach so many situations. And then I realized, oh, this is a different spin on that same concept, illustrating that there are often many brilliant and profound concepts that aren't unique to any one person, right? They are universal and they're spoken in different ways in different languages and different dialects in different tones that allows them to be heard by each of us, the listeners, in the way that makes sense for us. So if ever you think that's already been said, that's already been done, give yourself the opportunity to consider, perhaps it hasn't yet been said in this way, hasn't yet been said by me, and by offering it, and certainly with attribution to where you first sourced any of the original information, totally appropriate, but bringing it through your own lens may offer it to the world in such a way that someone hears it as if for the first time or in the way that means the most to them that they can then incorporate it and do what is necessary, what is helpful for them with whatever it is you're sharing. And so this version reads like this. If it can be solved, there's no need to worry. And if it can't be solved, worry is of no use. So sitting with that and saying, where are my worries right now? Where are my stresses? And is there a solution here? And I'd offer you the option to even think, is there something I can contribute toward a solution here? Because there may be a solution. You may see it. And you may not have all the control to make that happen. And so you could let that go, right? Practice acceptance and come to a space of serenity around it. Or you could decide to notice there is a solution and here are the factors toward that solution that are within the auspices of my capacity. And so I will focus my attention there. And if it can't be solved, right? And perhaps we might think of that oftentimes when we're reflecting on past experiences that cannot be undone. And we will expend a whole lot of worry about them. Now we can reflect and we can recognize and we can respond and reform to inform future decisions. And that's different. That's less worry and more reflection. But notice when you might toggle between them and can you keep yourself in that space of, I'm not seeking to change what has happened. I'm seeking to change myself and how I behave from recognizing what did happen. There's a distinction there, right? So if it can't be solved, worry is of no use. And of course, within there is that discernment, that wisdom to recognize which is which. Which worry, right, is something that can't be solved and I can let it go. Which worry is solvable? And rather than worry, what action can I take to contribute to this solution? Notice that use of the word contribute, not complete, not uphold entirely on my own without any additional resources, but contribute toward. And on that note, 
the Dalai Lama offers up separately, independent of this, but seeing how they synergize. The invitation to remember that there are only two days in the year that nothing can be done. One is called yesterday, and the other is called tomorrow. So today is the right day to love, believe, do, and mostly live. And that is such a powerful invitation. Now you might think, huh, gives us no hope, right? Tomorrow's not available, and yesterday isn't there either. It's all futile. But it can also be an entirely expansive invite to say today is the day where change happens. Today is the day that you can do the things. Now, you can absolutely plan and strategize and allocate. Yes, but notice when that is building you toward the doing and when it is keeping you out of the doing and the being in the present moment. And recognize, perhaps even better, decide how you would like to invest your time, your energy, and your attention. So what is it that you can do today? If there is something about which you have been worried, if there is a space where you have been deemed to be in charge and it is causing you stress because you aren't sure you can effectively carry out the tasks that have been assigned, that have been assumed in that space, and how might you be able to say, well, here I am, and this is the role, and this is the task, and I recognize this worry and this stress, and I'm going to take a moment and determine what it is I can actually control here, if indeed there is actually a solution to be had, a means by which we can reach this end goal we've established, and I'm going to focus my energy right now, not lamenting what I should have done or could have done yesterday or a week ago or 10 years ago, right? That choice that I made that led me to here. I'm not going to spend my energy and time there. I'm going to harness that energy and bring it in to this present moment of now in the today here. And I'm not going to leave this energy leak that says, well, in the future I will, or next time I could, or this is what's on the docket. And again, not disregarding the helpfulness of planning and allocating time, busy schedules that can be really useful. That's a practical, pragmatic measure. I'm talking about the future anticipatory stress or assigning to the future that which we could actually do right now. And how much energy do we spend allocating it that we could effectively commit to a certain task in the moment and be more meaningful, appropriate, and purposeful toward that ultimate goal. So I'm going to bring myself back into this moment. I'm going to close up those energy leaks that are the glance back into yesterday and that looking forward into tomorrow and bring myself here for this moment. And that might be for some certain length of time. But when you do that, and in that now moment, in that today presence, you are honest with yourself and with others about that which you can actually control And notice the tendency to want to say, I can do all the things. I'm there. I'm with you. Hand raised in that space. And then noticing when it feels stressful, when it feels futile, when it feels like you're holding up the weight of the world 
and you can't make any forward progress, check and see if it is because you have assigned to yourself or you've allowed it to be assigned to you the responsibility for things which you actually cannot control. And see the relief that can ensue when you release those. When you set down that heavy load and you're able to pick up that which you actually can control, which still might be a pretty hefty weighted bag. But it's one that you can actually sustainably carry. And the others might sit on the ground for some time or they might be more appropriately assigned to someone else who has the resources, who is in the role that actually can affect the change there. And while it can be difficult, offloading and repacking and balancing in new ways can be a little awkward at first. But once we have redistributed appropriately and everyone has that backpack that fits them, that has a load that even if heavy is manageable, we can then all stand up and begin to move forward together. And at some point, you might pause and redistribute because your skill set might have changed. The experience you've gained may now allow you to take some load from someone else. And in the meantime, they may have built some strength. But when we have a backpack that's way too heavy, right? the other effect can be injury, exhaustion. And seeing how that happens and noticing the opportunity we have to share and share alike, to take up the load when we have the reserve and the resources, to ask for assistance and offload some of that in the times when we might need more support. And ultimately, in so doing, we are demonstrating, we are living the example of appropriately assuming responsibility for the things we can actually control and allowing our power to increase exponentially. So consider if we can trade in worry for awareness, discernment, and even the doing. If we can notice when we are expending our energy in the lament of yesterday and what could have been and the anticipation of tomorrow and what might be and how being in the presence of today and what is can actually give us the space and the strength to step into those actions, which can move us toward that goal. And recognize here as well how you resonate with serenity. What's available to you? What's stopping you from accessing it? What might be a different way that you approach that word, that concept, that phrase that feels right and resonant for you? How are you showing up with courage today? Where is that strength, that power, that bravery, that self-trust? And what about wisdom? Where does that come so naturally? You don't even have to think about it, all pun intended there. How can you honor that for yourself? And again, that same thread of trust weaves itself through here. And so now let's come back to that concept of being in charge. I'm curious, physically, energetically, emotionally, how does that change now considering these options? 
where you aren't subject to the external expectations and the provided resources in order to be effective at being in charge, where you have the ability and the capacity to decide what that means for yourself and to reclaim your power in that space so that you can effectively be in charge no matter the external circumstances around you. For me, I notice still a bit of that lifting and lightning, but even in a new and fuller way, I feel my whole being, feel like it's rising literally to that occasion. I feel lighter. I feel taller in a way. And I think of it like an elevation or an expansion that becomes available. And when I consider that opportunity to be in charge rather than the obligation to be in charge, I feel intrigued. I feel curious. I feel competent. Even if I'm not thinking of a specific space or assignment, I can notice that I'm ready to be in charge because I trust myself to make that mean what is best for me so that I can carry out these tasks in this role effectively so I can serve in the highest capacity possible, which will be for the best of all. And I will do so from within this moment, in the today energy. I can be discerning and express gratitude for what has transpired. I can be discerning and anticipate with excitement what is to come and remember that circling back and embracing what is right now is going to be the most effective for me. So as we enter into being in charge in any space in our lives, personally or professionally, I invite us to honor that which we can actually and absolutely control. To release that which we cannot be responsible for because we cannot control it and encourage one another to do the same because we are absolutely all in this together and we can reassign and redistribute the load effectively. We all gain strength. We all gain power and we're able to move forward together. I'd love to hear from you on how you are being in charge and invite you to Visit this osteopathic life and stay tuned for the release of the book edition. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with this osteopathic life. Thank you for listening.